0: overall from the field but he was also 50% from three if He's five to
1: ten. I know you're out there it's okay stand back there. <laughs> no more than likely you're gonna get that number one seed and so I want Houston to be ranked at number one.
0: Hey hey what is up we are live on the heels of the final regular season game for number one ranked Houston and against the Memphis Tigers and Dang, what a crazy win to end the regular season. A walk off buzzer beater by Jamal Shedd after it had been a crazy back and forth second half where the Memphis Tigers give credit. They came out of the halftime locker room. They made adjustments. They gave Houston a run for their money. But then Houston, resilience, culture, toughness, and those were the key phrases post game, responded with a 10 0 run where they held Memphis scoreless for over five minutes. In that second half, Big Jack, absolutely it's time to let's rage. And we'll talk about number one Houston 67-65 victory over Memphis. But joining me as always, Day on lap Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. How are y'all doing?
2: Fantastic, man. I'm ready to hear from Memphis fans. Oh, my bad.
0: <clears throat> you know, they were leading up to it. They were excited. They were saying that this was going to be a, a easy win for Memphis after getting Kendrick Davis. They thought that they were going to be able to, to dethrone Houston. And then after the game, obviously, it doesn't represent all Memphis fans. But one Memphis fan, as I was walking towards the media room, uh, towards the basements of the FedEx Forum, was like, well, if they, the number one team in the country struggled to beat us. We'll get them in the conference tournament. So they moved the goalpost. And it very well could be another matchup come this time next week. But we have to start with Jamal Shedd, who was phenomenal in this game. And, of course, he hit the shot of the game against the Memphis Tigers. Day on, Chris, we've talked about this all season long, where when it came to big shot moments, it always seems like the ball gets into the hands of Jamal Shedd. And that's not a coincidence. After the game, Jamal Shed talked about how he, Coach Samson has told him he wants the ball in Jamal Shed's hands in late-game situations. And today we exactly saw why. Now, we're going to get into the clip later in the show, but when Jamal talked about what was going through his mind in the final seconds, he referenced the Wisconsin game from a season ago. He always references the late-game situations. That really was a pivotal key point in his career when it comes to late-game execution. He talked about he looked across the entire, scanned the entire court, checked to see if Jarvis was open, checked to see if Marcus was open, saw time was winding down, and then he raised for the shot and he hit it. I mean, who wants to take it first? What a
1: crazy of a game it was for Jamal Sha. Go ahead, Dayon. Man, I think going <clears throat> starting with that last shot, it doesn't it doesn't look like he ever considered passing. And <laughs> I, I don't think he should have. I, I think it's undisputed that he's the closer. Um I, I think Marcus makes closing plays in crunch time under two minutes. He makes momentum big shots, but in like game deciding plays, the ball's gonna be in Jamal Shed's hands mostly because of his decision-making, his ability to make the right decision and make the right play. And just that shot was spectacular. I, I mean, it, it was great. He had a great game, um, getting inside the lane, penetrating, scoring for himself. I think it, it was a really master class of coaching by both coaches. They both did a really good job of coaching, adjusting, and then making more adjustments, to adjustments. Man, it, it was a great basketball game.
2: I'm, I'm scanning through the play-by-play of the stats because I want to see if Jamal, he made the three shots he made in the second half might have been the last three shots he took. (laughs) He took a shot to tie the game at 56, and then the floater to put him up by two, and then, of course, the game winner. But I was glad down the stretch that he was aggressive. You know, a little bit in that that second half, the team kind of settled for what Memphis was, how they were defending them. And I don't like that. I don't like when you just settle a lot of defense to dictate to you. Jamal can beat his off the dribble, and he did. I don't, the they, I
1: don't know if they were settling because the same shots they were getting in the second half, they were making in the first half. So it's just good execution, good ball movement, good quality shots, just not making the shots. And that's when you come into the drought. I don't
2: I don't think so. Uh, we're going to disagree on this one because some of some of their threes, they, they were hesitant. I mean, Jarrett's traveled they were, they twice. Were open. They, they were open, though. Right. He was open, but he didn't shoot. Even I Marcus think- with his Marcus with his turnover. Some of the turnover in the second half were careless. They were just hesitant. Marcus threw the ball away because Jamal went out of position. That's not like Marcus. That turnover down the stretch after the timeout when they got stuck in the corner there at, ha- at the half court line. That's not like Marcus. You know, and everybody who was at the game media while I am not sure where you're sitting, Matt Musil for sure said he heard Kelvin Samson call a timeout and the ref did not give it to him. So that's That's an issue there because Marcus was stuck right there in the corner. He was stuck. And I'm sure somebody called a timeout. We have to give it to him. Then Marcus did a lob pass and Jarris lost the ball out of bounds. So turnovers in second half, some of them really uncharacteristic. Marcus Mm -hmm. had four, Jarris had four. Memphis played good defense to a point. Just like the tubers. I mean, a lot of zone defense from both teams in the second half, which is surprising Mm -hmm. because both teams hang their head on man-to-man a lot. But down the stretch – you saw Kendrick make plays for his team. You saw Jamal beat his man off the dribble down the stretch. And that that buzzer beater, that was a tough-ass shot he made, man. So, oh, it was. You know, it was money shot for him. So, culture wins. And, you know, Memphis fans can move the goalpost all they
0: want to. Houston beat them again. Next. Well, next is going to be possibly next week but they, where they, these two teams could possibly see themselves down the road. But Chris and down to so kind of add on to your point, when it comes to, especially going back to the first half, what Houston really excelled in against the Memphis Tigers was being able to get in the paint, and that, that kind of was like the weak spot for the Memphis Tigers' defense, whether it be from passing into their bigs or driving. And something that Calvin Sampson said after the game is kind of the emphasis for the guards heading into this game was to drive and pass, not necessarily drive and score. So that might have factored into in the second half, maybe some of the players seemed hesitant to take a few shots. But I think a lot of the credit has to go to Memphis, where they just seemed like they were swarming all over the place. And they, give credit to the Tigers. There was some adjustment that they made at halftime, and it gave Houston fits now, on the flip side. You guys mentioned the zone and how these two teams were known for man principles. Calvin Sampson after the game talked about it too. And he said it was an extra wrinkle that they wanted to add to this matchup. It was kind of a, a counter because like you said, both of these teams are known for their man defense. They, they that's really where they hang their hat on. So they want to try something to see if they could throw it off. And it absolutely worked because Memphis couldn't score on Houston for you know, five plus minutes in the second half.
1: And not only that, I think you do that because, Both teams are going to prepare so much for um, each other's man-to-man defense. When you throw that zone, it kind of creates rhythm and makes them – force them to think – and uh, it's such a masterful job but between both cultures in doing that because you playing both teams have lead guards who can beat each other off the dribble. So it's hard to keep the ball um in front of you and out of the paint. That's why both teams went into the zone because they couldn't, they had trouble doing that in Spurs, which created different offenses. And I think that just shows Houston's ability to win the game. whether well, this is a slow methodical game, because the zone slows the game down because it it forces less passes and it, it stagnates the ball, it forces more outside shots. And so when I mean, Houston and on Counter that it makes them play more in a half court set, and I think their ability to win whether it's a fast transition game or in a slow methodical game really stood out to me. But both coaches making those adjustments, going zone, recognizing their man to man defense isn't wasn't um, a a good matchup for each team because they both have quality guards.
2: And the Cougs went three two zone, so that's really unique. Usually, if you go zone, it's you know it's a two three variety or a one two two. So they went three two on the perimeter, but salute to Jermon Mark. He came out set the tone early in their first half. Coach Sampson, we could, we look, it looks like they went, he went with perimeter to beat the Tigers. Juan Roberts had zero field goal attempts, zero. That's partly shed Jermon Marcus. Some of that is Memphis defense, but Cougs made little to no effort to go to the post with Juwan. If no, they I did, think that's what if I they think they that's did, 100%. They, they trapped Juwan making make him get up, give up the ball. But also, Juwan usually gets some putback layups. He didn't even get that to get a shot attempt. So, I mean, he had one of those games where, all right, Juwan, you got to
1: crash a board offensively at least. Do something. Now, nah, he had a good game. The defense wasn't going to allow him to beat him. I think the defense dictated that because he had 20 and 10 last game. Every single time he touched it in the post, they doubled him and he made the right play. In times where um, DeAndre Williams, whoever was in foul trouble, Houston went down on the block to him and where he had single coverage, he still didn't force and make the play. But I think that was 100% what the defense did to him. So he did a good job of reading, not forcing. But overall, he still was, was his normal self. It was just. Um, Houston, well, Memphis made a conscious effort on doubling him and not allowing him to really get any shots because he dominated them in the last game.
2: That's true, but what about his O-boards get a putback? Rady Chaney did that. Yeah. his Zero, zero attempts. That means he didn't even get a putback layup attempt.
1: Zero. Effort was there. We don't have the stat sheet for it, tip passes, tip rebounds, deflections, and stuff like that. But the effort was there, which allowed and frees other players to get those offensive rebounds, to get in position to do that. But I think his effort, everything was their normal for Joanne from my eyes from when I saw it. To,
0: to, yeah, to add on to dayon's point, there was a couple of times when Jawan Roberts was right in the mix and the ball would get tipped up in the air and it would go out of bounds and straight to the hands of some Memphis players. I think, again, that's just a testament. There was a there was a much more focal point on trying to limit Juan Roberts, just overall, like Deion said, with how strong of a game he had in the first meeting back in Houston, But I wouldn't say it was from a lack of effort. It was some, just one of those times where he could have gotten some offensive boards. There was a couple times where he was fouled on being able to get a rebound, yep. and it wouldn't count, too. So, I, I get your point, Chris, but I, I tend to agree more with Deion.
2: Okay. I, hey, I don't mind. Y'all could disagree, but once again, he had zero field goal attempts. Zero. A tip-in counts as one. He had zero. i You guys know me. I love throwing the ball down low. I love getting double-teamed in the post. But he had not even one tip-in for an attempt. Zero, how rare is that? But it also goes to this. He's come so far in his development that Memphis double-teamed him, triple-teamed him, and made him give up the ball. Who would have thought that just at the start of this season? that he'd have been a focal point that much to take him out of the game like that.
1: Yeah, speaking of the start, I think Jermon got Houston out to a great start. He started the game so well with such a good rhythm. And what was the difference? Like early on in previous games, he would take a, a wide open three, in which he didn't take a three, which he could have. He drove in, got his first bucket, then got a deflection, got a steal. And everything he gotten got was... Everything he got offensively was in the flow of the offense. Outside a couple of shots, I just think in the second half, I, he, him, and Jamal both could have been a little bit more aggressive during Memphis's run. I mean, credit Memphis, but at the same time, I still think in the second half, he could have been just a tad bit more aggressive, not even looking to score, but just. Or playmaking and just being aggressive attacking the basket. I think in the first half, he, he played lights out. I mean, he hit the three. And the first half, really, all of our guards played well and played well off each other. I think when they move the ball and don't have to go one-on-one and everyone's getting rhythm shots, quality shots, it makes Houston such a good team. And Jermon, he just did a great job in that first half. Defensively, he was everywhere. Steals, block shots. He just really, really um, got the team off to a good start. Real quickly, I have to put a pause in it. we have to
0: remind everybody that's watching us live on the Houston Rumble Review YouTube channel or listening to audio only whenever you may be listening that this is Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. The Saxonian family is a primary sponsor of Let's Rage Cougs. It's really, the entire season of the men's basketball season now that the regular season is in the rearview mirror and they will continue to be the primary sponsor heading into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament and the NCAA tournament. Of course, we also like to say thank you to our other partners for today's show, beginning with Star Pizza in multiple locations across the Houston area. Be sure to visit starpizza.net online, where not only you can check out those three locations, but you can see the online menu and even order ahead of time, so you can just stop at any of those locations and take on the call, or maybe you're really hungry and just want to stop and eat on the way. And of course, we also want to say thank you to H-O-U-N-I-L, Here's a message from Javier Francis and H-O-U-N-I-O.
3: Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with H-O-U-N-I-O. Hey, we need the fans to go to HOUNIO.com to subscribe to our player created content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps us players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's
4: HOUNIO.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs.
0: So once again, a big thank you to H-O-U-N-I-L for being a sponsor on today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs, getting back into it. When it comes to, we mentioned Tremont Mark a little bit, let's get more into the, really the strong first half that he had. I mean, he came out the gates on fire, and there's something about the Memphis Tigers that just seems to bring out the best in Tremont Mark when you look at historically in his career, and it was not an exception tonight. In, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. His impact early on, especially when it came, it just seemed like Memphis had no answer to him. His signature pull-up jumper in the mid-range, being able to attack, and really a key player. We've talked about it, again, all season long, but Houston has so many weapons. When Jamal Mark has it going, it really opens stuff up for Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser.
2: No doubt. And it was, it was great to see him aggressive at the start of the game. It was great to see him aggressive in the first half. It's just when he's aggressive like that, the team starting five, everybody has capability to score, so it's it's a pick your poison for their defense. So that's great to see Tremont being aggressive. He was aggressive on defense. He set the tone with steals, the block shot. He was everywhere, <laughs> you know. So salute to him. And I think again we've said it before in previous shows. He looks more and more healthy with that quad injury seems further and further behind him. Mm-hmm. So if he contributes like this. It's just an, another option for Coach Sampson and staff to go to in the tournament.
1: Yeah, really when he shoots efficient, it, it really makes Houston such a threat offensively because you know how much of an emphasis the defense is going to focus on Marcus, um, primarily from the guard spot, as well as Jamal. I think when he's efficient and making his shots at an efficient rate, whether it's a large quantity of shots, well, I want to say large, just more quantity of shots because sometimes he doesn't take – um, a lot of shots but when he's efficient it just opens up the floor and makes them such a better because it goes ties back into their ball move and then when they move the ball because now you have to really close out on your mind as well as everyone else and, and just kind of Get you It gets the defense out of whack and makes Houston just have more threats. And I, I think he did a really good job, I mean, really to start the game, allowing what they – I really noticed him as well as Jairus and pretty much everyone is seeing the game really, really well. I think he just took what the defense gave him. Same with Jairus. I think especially early in that first half, he missed his first two threes, but there were quality looks that um, he should have and could have made. And he got another look, was a quality look, similar in the first half. He pumped fake, quick bounce, uh, forced the help, made a pass to the wing, and I think it was Jamal Shedd who made a three. And that ignited, I think, an eight zero run. And so his ability to be decisive and and recognize the game and take what the game is giving him and make a decision, it really just – Makes um, the team so much better, and I think Tremont did the same thing with that. I think the first half he took one heat check shot, um, which got blocked Tremont. from the three point. Uh, no, Tremont. Huh. Yeah, in the first half he yeah. took one heat check shot in the first half. But other than that, I mean his his shot selection w- w- was so great. And to kind of add on to your
0: point, real quickly, Chris. Uh, real quickly, Chris. Before you go and talk from down's point, top to bottom, there there was. A lot of different players. I think every player that played in the game made a play in this game against Memphis. Terrence Arsenal, he had a couple of freshman plays, but he had the big n one on Kendrick Davis in the first half. Emmanuel Sharp hit open shots. He he drew a big charge. I believe I might be confusing, but Emmanuel Sharp made plays. Reggie Cheney came in there. I know He had. A, he was kind of in foul trouble too, but he got a good being able to crash the boards and and just being an impact on the game as well. When you look at all the players, J.B. or Francis got in the game because of the big men that were in foul trouble too, that's something that, again, heading into the conference tournament and obviously bigger picture heading into the NCAA tournament, that's got to be a a big, big positive for Houston heading into the meat and potatoes of uh, March.
2: Each player did something positive for the team. Turnovers here and there, Terrence, sloppy pass, you know, and foul troubles hit the team in the first half for sure. And Memphis made all the free throws in the first half, you know, so which was just out of character. But then he also missed all the threes in the first half, which is out of character. So everything balanced out. One thing I think teams might do with Javier Francis is try to get him on the perimeter. That's not his, his strength. Mm. You know, he, 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 he still has a tendency to play with his hands too much. Or is of Quickness is a step slow against guards, so I would like to see at some point in in the conference tournament, let's see how the Cougs look defensively with JVA on the back line of a zone defense. But you don't have to worry about him being on the perimeter on a switch you have him in the paint. Why anything that comes that comes his way that way?
1: Yeah, the t- the tournament was definitely an issue. I think Shemaine had. One of them led to a turn I don't think the second one did, uh, Jamal was able to get it back and where he over-dribbled the basketball and in the press break and allowed the defense to kind of collapse, and, and um, he was kind of lost his balance and just threw it up. And so I saw a uh, turnouts from a few different players, which allowed Memphis to get back in, it, but you got to credit Kendrick Davis. I mean, his ability – to create contact, to use his size to his advantage, knowing the defense is going to try to block his shot and being able to create contact to get to the free throw line. Um, I mean, he did a great job of doing that, and as well as just making plays. He didn't have, I think, maybe one assist, but he still made a lot of plays, and most of his points came from the free throw line from his ability to do that, and he made timely, big three-point shots. But I I think overall, Houston – Keeping the ball in front of them. That's why Coach Sampson went to the zone because they, and that's something we talked about in the last episode. Do we think it might be an issue? And I think it can be. And the recipe to beat Houston, you have to have stellar guard play and guards who can make big shots.
2: And, you know, touch on it. Reggie Cheney got two quick fouls, like a 10 second span. He got in a foul trouble. He's just got a, he's so, he's much more effective on the perimeter. Defensively, he's got to avoid the fouls. Reggie, you're valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, some you're too aggressive. And Coach Sampson has said sometimes you'd rather have a player, you know, try to tone them down than amp them up. Yeah. Sometimes Reggie, you know, some probably two times a game he gets a foul. Like Reggie, come on, man, you don't need that. You heard the team because he's playing so well. In other aspects, but those silly fouls—I mean, I hate saying that kind of that word—but keep him on the floor, and he can help the team more on the court, obviously, rather than sitting on the bench with foul trouble.
0: And a, a few of them were kind of—I wouldn't say ticky-tack, but they were just bang-bang plays. I think one that I remember vividly is Emmanuel Sharp was. Har- uh, harassing Alex Lomax. It, it seemed like he was going to be really close to coming away with the steal. Lomax kept the ball and somehow it got into the hands of, I believe it was Malcolm Dandridge and Reggie Cheney picked up his thought just like that on a bang, bang play. And I can't remember if that was his second or third foul, but it, right after that, I believe that's when Jv Francis checked in.
2: And, hey, salute to Malcolm Dandridge. Big man had a good game for Memphis. He, was, oh, he made an impact. You know, he had a positive impact, impact for the Tigers
1: without question. De'Andre Williams did, too, defensively. It seems like he was in every single passing lane, especially in a press. I, I think he was the one player who really gave Houston fits in the press break. But most of the part, Houston did a good job of breaking the press just a few times where they over-dribbled. And, um, but them in mean, the defense was the difference. Like it always is for their ability to stop teams from scoring and making it tough. And you got to credit Coach Sampson from breaking the norm and just making an adjustment and, and not being stuck in the system, but actually watching the game, doing what the game is telling you to do, which is go to a zone, force them to beat you from the outside. You go back to the first half. They didn't make any threes in the first half. And then they make some in the second half, but, other than that, you still was able to be successful in the zone by keeping the ball out of the paint, keeping the ball in front of you, which allows you to um, contest every shot. We'll quickly put a pin
0: on it. i like to remind everybody that's watching live, thank everyone that's watching live. This is our most watched live episode of Let's Rage Cougs ever in history. And we're only getting started because next week will be the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament. So if this is your first time ever watching Let's Rage Cougs, hit the subscribe button on the Houston Bar Review YouTube channel and put that notification so you know when our Friday show is after the first round game in the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament. But this is Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Sex Indian family. They are the primary sponsor of LRC for the remainder of the men's basketball season. Of course, we'd like to say thank you to our other partners, beginning with Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop for pizza for Houston pizza here on starpizza.net. Make sure you visit them online so not only you can check out their online menu, but you can also order ahead so you can just pick up and head home or order ahead and you can just sit down and enjoy your pizza much faster. And, of course, we also like to say thank you to H-O-U-N-I-L, and we'll send it over to Javier Francis and a message from H-O-U-N-I-L.
3: Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with H-O-U-N-I-L. Hey, we need the fans to go to HOUNIO.com to subscribe to our player created content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's HOUNIO.com to subscribe.
4: Thank you, and go Cougs. Once again, that was
0: JBA Francis, and we'd like to say thank you to H O U N I L for being a partner of today's episode of Let's Rage Coops. And on that note, well, I'll send it over to Head Coach Kelvin Sampson. Here's what he had to say post game following Houston, sixty seven to sixty five victory over the Memphis Tigers.
3: Bodies in the corners, um, are, are got one in the slot, and allowed him to go one on one. And that in that situation, that's about as good a shot as you're gonna get. The other key to the game was. Um, probably for the last month we spent about five minutes every day because we never zoned but we spent five minutes every day working on it and i told him you never know when we're going to need it um we we played it a you know a a possession or two here possession or two there uh wasn't very good but we kept working on it we kept working on it Um, the bye week we worked on it uh, every day not very long and uh, then we'd have the, whatever our next game was. I didn't play it because our bread and butter is uh, man-to-man. But uh, to come in this gym and hold that team to 35% um, uh, is is a testament to our culture, uh, our toughness, and how competitive our kids are. And you touched on it. The way they came out in the second half, you'd be down by five, and then you make a 10-0 run. Mm-hmm.
4: And then you just take,
3: regain control of that game. Well, we had the... Uh, mind-boggling turnover uh on the sideline there and I, actually i thought i had you had called out. Time out, aren't you? He, yeah he didn't give it to me But so, uh, that happens you know um but the uh you know last time i checked the uh, it, the basketball court is a 94 foot slab of rectangular wood right and yes. the sidelines have been the, where the sidelines are in every gym we go in so why did jared step out of bounds twice when trying to take a jab step Yeah, I mean, we just the mistakes we made just uh, uh, just just boggles my mind. But you know, that's secondary. Our our kids, um, our kids know how to win. I've said that multiple, multiple times. Uh, To be twenty nine and two and seventeen and one and winning every gym in the league is um, just proud of our program. Does that give you a boost going into the postseason?
0: We'll see. Coach, just uh, on top of defense, defense, like you mentioned, during that 10 run, I believe you held them score this for, like, five minutes of the game.
3: Yeah, well, when you prepare for us, you prepare for man-to-man. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Kenny and his staff knew exactly how they wanted to play. Uh, but our man-to-man was really good for a long time. The problem was we couldn't keep KD up to free throw line. He goes 16 for 18 today. Is that right? Am I right or wrong on that? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, And then we didn't do a very good job in free throwing. You know, we had uh, too many turnovers, unforced errors, too many unforced errors. Stepping stepping out of bounds, Uh, throwing the ball. I mean, Memphis is is really good with their traps and pressure, so they're going to force some turnovers. I I get that, but it's the unforced errors that was um, um, had my eyes twirling around in my head.
1: Coach, you go, she said it's the moments where no one's watching and prepares them for the moments where everyone is. Well, how proud are you of, and of Shed and of
3: sasser coming up with those really big clay plays and those really clutch moments? Well, that's why we kept the bar in our hands, too. You know, um, but I thought uh, uh, Prince, our guys didn't play great, but they battled. You, you know, uh, you know, every team's going to get a bump from playing at home. You know, uh, whether it's at Tulane or. But uh, that environment in there tonight, um, the game management people at uh, University of Memphis are to be uh, commended. That, that was a tremendous, tremendous environment. And we, we played at Oregon, 14,000. We played at Virginia, thirteen five fourteen thousand. Uh, 14,000. Cincinnati, we played at Cincinnati, same thing. Uh, this is the most raucous, uh, I can imagine... I only imagine what they would have been like if this would have been a 5 o'clock game. Let them get a little bill stooped at them before they at 11, 11 o'clock. Some of them might have come from church, I'm hoping. Um, but, but this was a, uh, you know what this game was good for? It was good for the American Athletic Conference. It really was. Because it, it, it showed two really good teams uh, battling on national TV. Um, I mean, we won the game, but the American Athletic Conference and the University of Memphis was a winner, too, because that was a tremendous, tremendous atmosphere there. So once
0: again, that was Houston Cougars head coach Calvin Sampson talked a little bit about everything, and specifically when it came to that zone. Again, one of the reasons for that adjustment had to do with being unable to keep Kendrick Davis off the free throw line and really, again, going back to the familiarity that the two teams have with each other and their strengths.
2: Yeah, KD was 6-for-18 from the floor, 11-for-12 from the free throw line. Memphis overall shot the ball well from the foul line, and and the Cougs didn't. So that's another quirk of the game. And I had to look it up, but Chandler Lawson was 2-for-3 from three. Before today, he was 3-for-7 for For the whole season, 3-for-7 from three. He made one in three different games. So he had not made more than one three in a game until today. So just one of those rivalries ring out, you know. Strange things happen happen in rivalry games, and I saw it. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but this was the Tigers' first sellout at home this season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was it was a legit sellout.
2: Well, that means they came to see the Cougs play too. So you're welcome.
0: Yeah,
1: one thing I said that to me, Coach Spencer talked about, and which I mentioned before we got into that clip, was how you prepare so much to see Houston's man-to-man defense that when they throw the zone at you unexpectedly, it really creates um, so much confusion and gets you out of rhythm because you just haven't prepared to see a zone. Um, from Houston didn't expect it. And so, yeah, I mean, he did a great job. I can't get a, give him enough praise for his adjustment and doing that because I watch so many games and so many coaches just stick to doing what what it is that they do and been doing all year instead of making the adjustment um, and, and what the game calls for. It. And so that was huge, man. And he, the defense is the difference, whether it's zone or whether it's man and man Now teams have to prepare. That Houston can play zone along with that man-to-man defense, and they have multiple looks. And so this defense is going to carry Houston throughout this tournament for sure.
2: And I just wanted to put on the screen for everybody. Thank you, Edison Joe, for the compliments on our show. Dan, I want you to see it. Andy, you guys see it as well. We appreciate everybody. I mean, this, this we hit a high at one point with most viewers, live viewers doing a show. So thank you very mm-hmm. much. For supporting less Rage Cougs,
0: absolutely. I can never say thank you enough. but I was going to say, and Dan, to add on to your comment about, it just adds an extra layer to Houston's versatility on defense. And we always knew from really a personnel perspective with how how multi facets all the players are individually. Well, now this just adds another layer to that versatility because it's not just man They've shown that not only can they play zone, they can do it effectively again, this is a Memphis team in crunch time, a very talented Memphis team that they did it against, and they, they show that they can excel.
2: And, and it's an example of the guys, the more they play zone, the better they do it. Because as Coach touched on it, there were times earlier in the season, the team looked just completely befuddled <laughs> when they went to zone. But today, they I know. communication is so key. You, you got to know where your teammates are in the zone specifically, especially in the zone defense. But they were really, did a very good job in the zone today against the Tigers.
1: Yeah, they, they really did. And they looked comfortable um, right to Chris's point, uh, look, they look prepared. They looked like it was going to be something they used and it was effective, um, I, I think. Differences zone was kind of effective. Houston have seen quite a bit of zone, and I think going forward, whether it's in the American tournament or the NCAA tournament, if Houston has a game where all guards are hitting, whether it be, like all three guards, whether it be um, some of the guards off the bench as well, I think teams will look to play more zone to kind of slow the game down because Houston is such a threat when they're playing fast and playing in transition. Because they have multiple ball handles, multiple three-point shooters. And even Jairus is is the X factor because he can create and he's such a a mid-range, an elite mid-range scorer.
2: But I I gotta say, I I think the book is out on Jairus and Pump Fakes. Mm -hmm. Kendrick got him again today. DeAndre got him again today on pump fakes. That's free throws. He sending him to the line. He's great help side shot blocker. You saw that down the stretch for sure. But Jarvis man, just they keep on your feet, man. Don't go to those head fakes all the time. It's unnecessary.
0: It's not just Jarvis. There's a couple of people on the team that, that keep it's going. Got, it's gotten worse, <laughs> surprisingly. Uh-huh. Yeah. But real quickly, as we look to overall, kind of zooming out real quickly, with the win, Houston undefeated on the road, that is an impressive mark in and of itself. When you think about just at any level, college basketball, Go eleven. Lost you, Andy.
2: You, you, you might go out, yeah, because we can't hear you.
0: Check, check, test one, two. Can you guys? You get you're, you're back, back. Now. I'm back. Yeah. Oh, what I, what I was gonna say. Looking at. A little bit of a, a broader picture, but with the win, the Houston and Cougars accomplished uh, impressive feat, which is going 11-0 in true road mm-hmm. games this season, undefeated on the road. And these were some hostile environments. Go back to December, where they had to travel and beat, at the time, the number two ranked team in the country in Virginia. Of course, they had to beat Oregon as well on the road, and this just adds on to that layer. That's an impressive fact, but then look at it, the type of game that they ended up clawing out, it's certainly going in the right direction when it comes to being battle-tested heading into the conference tournament and, of course, the, the NCAA tournament. You know,
2: and, well, agreed for sure. It's hard to win on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't care. doesn't matter who it is. Exactly. It, I don't care if you're not in, in the best conference in basketball. It's hard to win on the road. Alabama lost at A&M yesterday. I don't hear people saying, oh, Alabama's a fraud now. His heart went on the road in conference play. So the Cougs did a great job going undefeated away from home. Who would have thought that? The way they did it today, they found another way to get the job done. So salute to them. And they tied the, for the most wins in the AAC regular season, going 17-1. and one. So just another accomplishment for this team. This team is special. And they're not done doing special things,
1: man. For sure, I, I think this team definitely is special, and I think the road wins. We also got to mention, take into account that every gym they went to was sold out. On the road. say that
2: again, what? now Say that again. Say
4: that yeah. again.
1: Yeah, every night they went and played on the road, it was sold out the biggest game. And so for them to be fully locked in and take care of business on the road, it, it's, it means a lot. It's not an understatement. I think that's very important, which shows the toughness, the resilience, the IQ of this team. And I think the way they, they have done that will travel in the tournament, regardless of where it is, who has the, the bigger crowd, Houston's going to be prepared, and they're going to be ready. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is going to be the toughest crowd that they
0: see from now until, the, with the exception of if somehow they ended up in the Kansas City bracket and were in the same region as Kansas. Uh, I think this is probably the toughest road environment that they're going to face for the remainder of the season, however many games they play. And they they passed the test, they played it with, with flying colors, and they really executed, whether it was in pressure situations. Again, this game had just about everything you would ask for for the last game of the regular season, gearing up for a tournament preview, essentially, and they passed through with flying colors. Now, again, zooming out even more, looking at the college basketball landscape across the country, you mentioned, Chris, Alabama lost to Texas A&M. Yeah, Alabama lost to Texas Mm -hmm. A&M. When it comes to Kansas, they also lost this weekend. Baylor lost as well, which segue, but I, I think I have a jinx going on because I, I praise those those three teams on on ESPN Radio I did, and of course they lose them this weekend. Houston won. They picked up, most importantly, they picked up another quad one victory, which going back to national pundits is something they always hold against the Cougars. Well, they, they only have, I believe, those four quad one wins heading into this game around that mark it might be four or five they picked up another one they're gonna have a chance to get at least one more next next week in the conference tournament if they do indeed see this Memphis team again and in, in a neutral site game but do you think that if houston wins out they've done enough to secure to possibly be able to compete for number one overall i think they've done enough to secure a number one seed period regardless of what happens from here until next sunday
2: I'm going to agree with alum Jim Nance. He mentioned during the broadcast, mm-hmm. I think t- winning today secured the Cougs as a one seed, period. One of the four number one seeds. I think there will be enough folks on the committee that will count. Kansas has whatever it is, 14, 15, oh, whatever wins. it is, you know, quad one wins compared to Cougs four or five, and they'll say 14 to five. So they they will give Kansas – I say give, Kansas earned it, Mm -hmm. the number one overall seed based on that. But the Coos will be number one seed. I think they locked it up today unless they shock all of us. I don't even see it will matter anymore if they lose Friday in their first game in the tournament. But beyond that, they're one seed going to the big dance.
1: Yeah, I think they're on the one-seed line. I think if either Kansas or Alabama lose in their conference tournament, which is highly likely, then Houston has a chance, if they win out, to move into the number one overall seed. I think it'll take for one of those other teams to win their conference tournament to be the number one uh, overall seed. So I think, in my opinion, Houston can – they're solidified. in on the one line, it just depends on where at. And I think they have a chance to be the number one overall seed if Baylor – I'm not Baylor, Alabama, and um, Kansas don't win their conference tournaments.
0: As of now, would you still put those two teams ahead of Houston, looking at it from the committee perspective?
1: I would put Alabama because they beat Houston head up. But from Kansas, uh, I, I get the resume in the Big 12, but I, I, I don't think so. But but the, the, the national, I think the national could. But I think Houston is solidified, in my opinion, in that spot. But if Kansas wins the conference tournament along with all the quiet teams, then I think they will and potentially could jump Houston.
2: I I think what could help the Cougs is if Kansas lost their first game in the Big Twelve. Because how many losses does Kansas have? Six? Five? Six? What is it? I mean, I don't even know.
0: I believe it's five. Let me check. Let me double check. It's
2: five
1: five conference losses.
0: So if they lost the they have quarter. six total losses, yeah.
1: Okay, six. six so they lost
0: five in Big 12. Is that right? Four and, and five. And that loss to Longhorns wasn't particularly close either. Right.
2: So I think if they lost to whoever they played in the open round for them, that could open the door for the Cougs to pass them, assuming, of course, the Cougs do their job in the American tournament. Baylor's, I'm, excuse me, Alabama's head-to-head win over. Houston gives them the edge. I mean, head-to-head. You know, Bama won. But if Bama stubs their toe, in the opening round for
1: them. The,
2: the door opens. But it's easier to say Bama over Houston because of the head-to-head.
1: And I, I think Kansas has to win that conference tournament to get the number one overall seed. Because say that, if Texas beats them, then I don't think Texas jumps Houston, even though they have a similar resume through Kansas and have a legitimate argument. But I think it'll take for Kansas to win their conference tournament to win the overall number one seed. I think Houston... It's kind of solidified, in my opinion, probably in their second overall, and they can move up if them or – Kansas, one of them don't win their tournaments. I think – are you talking about overall feeding?
2: Yep. Yeah, the Cougs are one seed, period. Today wrapped it up, in in our opinion, for sure. And I think Jim Nance, he mentioned it during the broadcast, that the Cougs, in his opinion, but based on the rules of the committee, will be in Birmingham because it's the closest city to Houston – as a one seed, the rules are you go to your per, your closest destination, not Denver as I saw earlier this morning Charles on Leonardi. ESPN. Yes. You know, Lenardi had them as one of the top three ones, but the bracket had them going to Denver. And I'm like, that's not close, closer than Birmingham. So I don't know if Lenardi says one thing and the other folks do the bracket. I don't know, whatever. But the Cougs and Bama can both be in Birmingham but just go to different regions after the first two rounds.
0: Absolutely. Now on the topic of Jamal Shed, let's hear a snippet of what we have to say before we wrap things up here on this episode of Let's Reach. Um,
5: you know, I knew Coach wouldn't to time out because, you know, we've been in that situation before and uh, he trusts me and we've talked about, it, you know, a lot, a lot of memories come to mind, especially that Wisconsin game. It always comes to mind in moments like that, where, you know, I got to look at the time, you know, just push the pace. And, um, you know, just God willing, I was able to make that shot.
4: When did you look up and see how much time was
5: left? Uh, right when Katie made the lead. You know, I had a little clock going in my head right when I caught the ball. So, you know, was kind of looking for Marcus, was looking for Tremont. Juan said a good screen for me, looked for Jarris. And uh, nobody was really open, so, you know, I just ended up shooting it. So you looked for everybody but you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. And you play with a group of guys like this. you definitely look for them in those type of moments. You've obviously had a lot of big wins. You'd already secured the league. But... A win like this in this environment what does it mean to you guys um I, I feel like it was more fun than than anything you know memphis is a great crowd and uh i don't think we played in an environment like that all year besides maybe virginia and uh temple had a really good crowd but you know that was just fun you know being able to win in this type of environment, it's just always fun, especially with these group of guys. Jamal, Jamal.
0: can you talk about the resiliency of the team? Uh, when Memphis made their run, they went up by five, and then you guys went on a 10-0 run, and you held them, scored us for over five minutes of that game. And can you talk about when you went into that?
5: Um, you know, just fighting back. You know, a lot of us retired. We were talking to each other, you know, just keep pushing. You know, we're almost there. And, uh, you know, that, that shows how connected we are. You know, we talked to each other. We pushed each other. You know, we came out on top. So, you know, we, we showed a lot of fight.
0: So once again, that was Houston Cougars guard Jamal Shed And Chris, you've mentioned uh, the CBA broadcast, the uh, all time legendary UH alumni, alumnus in Jim Nats. Well, he spoke to me. After the game. Jim, we got to start with the game. What a crazy ending to uh, the tune up. Uh, certainly a tune up
4: to the NCAA tournament would take me through calling I'm, that game. I'm sorry my heads are still a little bit in the clouds, you know, <laughs> after that one. It was a fantastic game. Memphis is really good, and uh, I admire what Coach Hardaway's done with their side. They could have easily won this game, and they gave Houston fits. But to win a shot at the buzzer between All this atmosphere, and they're number one, a big target on you know to to beat you Mm -hmm. to win a game like this going into the NCAA tournament conference tournament, it's huge for Houston, It's just huge. And for me personally, to be able to call a game where my alma mater wins at the buzzer, that's a big, moment. A big I, moment. I can't imagine, but obviously now being able to see the number one team in the country up close and personal, what it out to you about them, about their defense? Really? Well, I think this, this right here just absolutely locked up a number one seat no matter what happens at the conference tournament. It was a big win for Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelvin's just amazing. He's just an amazing coach. That's all I can say. <laughs> we were so fortunate to have him and that family behind the this program Uh, they've been the greatest blessing to come our way in a long long time they've restored the glory and we owe them a huge huge thanks Mm -hmm. kind of
0: last question by heading into the NCAA tournament what do you think the ceiling of this team is which
4: of Houston, The feeling of Houston. Absolutely done after today at number one seed, now, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens in the conference tournament. We'll be at number one seed. We'll play at Birmingham the first uh, two rounds, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll take it from there. I would expect it will be the one seed at the bracket that feeds into Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll give, people, we'll give people a really great run, mm-hmm. maybe all the way to April 3rd. Maybe close to midnight. The the dream story ends with the nets coming down for the hometown team.
0: So a big thank you to Jim Nance. That's what, what I'm talking about, man. DJ. Heck yeah. Only on what? On what show? Yes, that's baby. Great, great job, Bandianni. awesome. But yes, sir. We're, we're we're running out of time because I have to head towards the airport and catch my flight heading back to Houston. But takeaways Jamal shed or oh, Jim Nance I have to say. Obviously, that's high praised from the biggest UH alumni there is out there.
2: I'm just proud of you, man, for getting getting that uh, those comments from Jim Nance. You could tell down after when Jamal made that bucket, Jim Jim's UH pride came through a little bit
0: (laughs) during his down the stretch there. But so I haven't heard the call yet. I can't wait to hear
2: it. But it was great. Outstanding. And I'm surprised he he said Louisville region. So that Mm -hmm. that's interesting. That's uh,
0: a little wrinkle. You know, from, from from hearing him speak, I feel like he has Houston over Kansas in the terms of number one overall uh, when, it, when it comes to seeds,
2: I, know, I would say. But that's – it's strange because Bama is closer to Louisville than Kansas City, I think. So I'm not it sure how that will work. Around. But, you know, it could be the way around. But, hey, I don't want to go to New York. You know, <laughs> that's all I'm – because of distance. Not because it'll be a problem for the Cougs. I'm just talking because of distance. But mm-hmm. other than that, salute to you, sir. Great job getting Jim Nance part of this
0: interview on Let's Rage Cougs. Outstanding. on any final takeaways as we wrap things up?
1: Yeah, look, Jamal just said how fun he had and how fun it was for the team to go out and get the victory in the hostile environment. So I think this team is just locked in. They, seen, they see what this, uh, the potential of this team is. So I, I'm just happy to see that it, to be uh, a Kakuga alum like Jim Nance, like all of us, and to be along for the ride. I, I, I'm really proud right now. I, I'll just comment. I'll leave it with no, with no
0: context. Won't it be great next year to be in a conference? Can lose nine games and still be in the top ten. <clears throat> yeah, but for sure. will be in the Big Twelve next year. We'll be in that luxury yeah, next sure. year once again from the final. If you haven't noticed from inside the FedEx Forum, the final the Houston Cougars number one. Houston Cougars victorious in the final game of the regular season season over Memphis sixty seven to sixty five. Jamal Shed was the hero of the game. He had the buzzer beating jumper to beat. Memphis, and now the Houston Cougars turn their attention to the conference tournament in Fort Worth, the American Athletic Conference Tournament. They will play on Friday afternoon as the number one overall seed in that tournament. Until then, for Dayon Dunlap, Chris Garner, thank you guys for joining me. You can follow those individuals on their respective social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at aonis underscore five. Thank you so much for everyone that joined us, our highest watched ever episode of Let's Rage Kooks. And as always, Dayon, you get the final word.
1: Let's go, Cooks. Appreciate all the support, baby. Let's go. Let's take it all the way to April.